in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. You got Cofield and Company on a Friday afternoon. You made it. End of the week. Willie Ramirez is down at the Golden Circle at TI. He'll be down there tomorrow as well for Throw the Flag with Gooch 9 to 11. We are here at 5 o'clock with a... I don't want to be rude to the other guests that we've had today because we've had some some great guests. But we only have one Hall of Famer on the show. You gotta you gotta blow it up for the Hall of Famer that, that you got right here, Rod Woodson, uh, Raider great, of course, head coach of the Vegas Vipers in the XFL. Uh, welcome, man. How's it going? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you giving us a, a little bit of time, and we know that the XFL draft just concluded uh tell us a little bit more about the the roster that the vegas vipers <laughs> built up and uh, and what you're looking forward to there well i mean obviously uh, you know we try to find the best athletes available at all positions to kind of get them on the field and, and hopefully teach them some good football uh, but it's going to be fun you know you think about um football, the, you know nfl you really don't have the theater league i guess the theater league will have to be college uh, there's no minor league in football, so if the XFL can help in, in helping these young men still reach a goal and a dream to show their wares uh, on the football field and hopefully one day get possibly into the National Football League, I mean, that's our job to make them better to get to that point where they can have that opportunity. Um, so we, I think we got a pretty good staff today. Rod, I'm curious, what in particular about the opportunity with the XFL appealed to you? I heard you talk a little bit there about the opportunity to maybe build up, uh, you know, a pipeline uh, to the NFL. But it's not the first time that we've seen one of, uh, you know, one of these opportunities come around with a league trying to, to do it. What about the XFL in particular did you like? Well, first, you know, uh, I love the, the ownership and – Dwayne, Jan- uh, Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia and uh, uh, Redbird Capital with uh, Jerry. Um, I mean, that's, you know, they did it, they did it directly. They slow rolled it out. Uh, they took their time. Uh, they have a three- to five-year business plan. And hopefully it works. You know, yes, you know, XFL, this is a 3.0 version. Right? This is the third time around. Uh, the Alliance has tried. The USFL has tried multiple times, right? And they, and they had their spring league a while ago. So there's different, you know, different uh, leagues have tried. Uh, but I, I just think that this one is a little bit different just for the fact that it's taking its time. And at, at the, end, the end all, you know, when you coach, I'm a, I'm a grassroots football junkie, um, you know, if, if I can help these young men become better football players but also better men, uh, that's the obligation that I'm willing to take. Uh, I, you know, I love football. Football's given me everything I have in my life for the most part in some capacity. And I, I feel obligated to give back to the younger. Speaking of Rod Woodson, former Raider and Hall of Famer. Um, Rod, when you look at the coaches, Bob Stoops, Wade Phillips, Terrell Buckley, Heinz Ward, joining yourself, I mean – that in itself speaks volumes in the names that have been drawn to this league and that are buying into, you know, what this league is about and, and sort of, well, the staple it's trying to make 
to to remain active, as you said, in in being different this time around. Um, the attraction of the big names that that's got to speak big, right? Well, I mean, you know, we got to put a good product on the field, right? <laughs> so, no matter what your name is, for sure, got to put a good product in the field. I hope we can do that. I think we will do that. You know, but Bob Stoops, you know, Bob Stoops has been coaching forever, and you know, a lot of guys that I have on my staff. Um, I've been coaching for quite a long time, and Chuck Brosnahan and Bob Whiteley, Ray Sherman, those guys have been coaching for quite a long time. So, you know, uh, all these guys believe in this league. They believe in having a platform for these young men who don't have anywhere else to go if they're not in the National Football League. And uh, hopefully it's time that that can change, and this will stick. Rod, uh, we know that... The sacrifice and the the work that goes into being anywhere around an NFL franchise on an NFL roster is something that the average person cannot comprehend. We can't comprehend it. We just do our best to talk to people like you and, and understand what goes into it. So when we see the kind of emotion that Derek Carr had this past week mm-hmm. talking about what, he, what goes into the work to be in the NFL. What do you, what do you think when you see a player of the stature of Derek Carr having that kind of reaction? Well, I mean, it's, you know, he's emotionally attached, um, and he should be. You know, it's his livelihood. It's what he does for a living, and you know, we want to be excellent at what we do. You know, we are what we repeatedly do. So, you know, he he takes it very personal uh, that they're not living up to their own expectations. You know, when they look in the mirror, they want to play at a certain level. They want to respect the person that they, they see in the mirror. Um, and he's, you know, that's what he was saying is that, you know, um, he's, he's disappointed that they're not playing at the level that he wants to play at. Uh, also for his fan base. You know, the fan base here in, in Vegas has been great. And for them not to, to, to have it show on the win-loss record, it's frustrating for him. And he knows he doesn't have that much longer as a player in the National Football League, and that's probably another tie that, you know, kind of got him emotional. Um, you know, this, this is a short career. It doesn't last that long. He's been in it for a while. So he understands the sacrifice and, and what it takes to, to be great at what you do. And, you know, that's what you want from your leaders. You want your leaders to be emotionally attached to that. And hopefully some of the other guys and young guys, and I'm not saying that they're not, um, will see that. And realize that, you know, it's, it means a lot to these guys who've been in the league for quite a long time. Rob, we just spoke with Stanford Route, former Raider, former Houston Texan, and he mentioned, you know, well, it is first year and trying to bring these personalities together, and Devontae Adams comes in. But you look at Miami, you look at Minnesota, you look at other teams that are under first years, and this is a guy, Josh McDaniels, comes in with six rings, comes in with his for his second head coaching stint, and comes in with one of the most talented rosters, realistically, and it's just not working. How, you know, it, it's what do you see from your experience? You're a Hall of Famer. From the outside looking in, when you're looking at this, what's taking place? Where's the disconnect? Uh, that's hard to say because I'm not in the locker room. You know, I'm not in the building daily, but from afar, the one thing I always ask myself when I see teams struggle is where the where's the leadership that's the first thing i think they have the leadership on the offensive side so my question is where's the leadership on the defensive side who is that guy that steps up to the forefront 
on a daily, a weekly basis, game day situation where they're not playing the way that they're capable of playing in practice. When they're not practicing the way they need to practice. When they're not giving it all in practice. Um, who's that guy? And that's what, and I don't know, because I'm not in that building. Um, I think I know a couple of the guys there that's pretty good. But, you know, I, I just it's hard to really say when you're looking from the outside. Obviously, you have a tremendous quarterback. You have an outstanding receiver. You have an outstanding running back. Unfortunate that, you know, Waller it hasn't participated for a while because he's hurt. Uh, you want your playmakers. And when you have your playmakers out there, it's a little bit easier. Um, you know, just it's for some odd reason, and some of the games have been closed. And quite a few of the games early were all closed, right? Yep. They're losing yep. by one score or, or less. Yep. And it's, it's just one thing here or there, one play here or there, that makes the difference. It's not, it's not one play per se. It's collectively. And they've got to find a way to collectively – make the more plays than the opposing team and they have start winning. Rod, whether with Pittsburgh, whether with the Raiders, obviously you had the kind of stature to be a voice like that uh, for a defensive side. Who else do you remember in your career really being uh, that level of leader to step up and, uh, you know, say things when need to be said? Well, I mean, we, you know, we had quite a few guys when I was in Pittsburgh. But remember, when I came in, when I came in the league, all our backups were older veteran guys, right? So we had a bunch of those guys on the roster. And then as now what you look at is the roster, and I, let me say it this way, when I came in the league, you had to be a really good young player to make a squad. Now you have to be a really good old player to make the squad. Hmm. That's the biggest difference. Yeah. And when you're not, just think about it. Think about you. How much have you learned in your lifetime later in life than you did when you were younger? And you wish you would have... If you could go back in life and say, hey, man, if I could do it over again, it'd be so much easier. Oh, yeah. But it's, the same way, it's the same way in football, though. When you have a young team, uh, young players, they play young at times. Sometimes they play great, but sometimes they're going to play young. And you want to find those type of athletes who can come up to the forefront. But, you know, like, like Ray, uh, Ray Lewis. Ray was great at being able to speak to guys in practice when things are going south, in the locker room when things aren't going right when guys aren't doing right, because you want to be held accountable. But the players have to hold each other accountable and take ownership of what they do during the week, on game day, uh, on flight, watching film, studying, you know, whatever it might be. When you hold each other accountable, now you're brothers. And when you're brothers and you're, and you're friends, now you're going to play so much harder for each other, and you're going to start paying to the little bitty things that really, really matter to greatness. And I think, because they have players, but everybody's talented in the National Football League. That's why you play the National Football League, because you do have talent. It's the teams that can come together, and it's the teams that can find a way to, to do the little things always that really matter. Those guys that win the close games, the three-point games, the six-point games over the other teams. Rod, before we let you go, I just got to let you. I have to fill you in on a little something here. Now, when the new coaches come to town at every level, and of course we had the MVP from the WNBA Finals, Chelsea Gray, they come to the Golden Knights Fortress, 
And, man, they rocked that siren. You were kind of cool and laid back last night with the siren. You just kind of pushed through it. You're going through it's like opening day of training camp or OTAs, going through the the, 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 the tackling dummy or the sled. Kind of just eased your way into it. You know, we've seen Lindy LaRock, the head coach of the UNLV uh, Lady Rebels. I mean, she she almost toppled that thing over the over the fortress. I didn't want to break it. Like, if I, I was so terrible <laughs> if I broke the thing. Like, if I would like, start cranking it, because, like, I'm looking, and I'm, like, cranking it, and I'm, like, and then, you know, my man, my man was, like, like telling me to go faster. I'm, like, I'm going to break this thing. I don't want to break it. You know, so I'm, like, if I didn't want to be the one to break the siren, right. and then okay. everybody was going to look down on me, I was, like, nope, I'm not, that's not going to happen. Oh, man, I think that would have become more of an epic story that Rod Woodson was so strong that he broke the siren than, uh, than it would have uh, been a problem. Rod, uh, looking forward to XFL action, head coach of the Vegas Vipers, and, of course, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Thank you very much for your time. Have a great holiday, and uh, be safe out there. You too. Take care of yourself. Goldfield and Company rolls on here in just a moment. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Passes right for Jack Eichel. Jack cycles along. Stevenson sneaks it across. Petrangelo, and Snow knocks it in! Out of midair, into the back of the goal! Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Dan Duva, the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, on the call on the VGK Radio Network as Cofield and Company brings you into your weekend. Willie Ramirez out at Golden Circle at TI for great food and drink specials. Go out and see Willie between 3 and 6 on Friday afternoons, Adam Candy and Ari alongside as well. And you heard uh, the goal for Mark Stone on the rejoin, Willie. We talked a little bit earlier about you're working on a piece about Jack Eichel and what his leadership has meant. And whether you want to talk about Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Chandler Stevenson, any of the guys we could individually single out, Logan Thompson, etc., the fact of the matter is, when you look at the rest of this division, Willie, yeah. I see one other team with a positive goal differential, and that's a Seattle side that nobody really expected a whole lot out of. Um, Golden Knights are five points ahead of the Kings, but the Kings actually have a flat-even goal differential. They have allowed 21 more goals than VGK. It just leads me to, it leads me to a question. We thought at the beginning of the season the Golden Knights just needed to be able to keep pace with a bad division. It feels to me like right now, like there's nobody in this division who is going to be able to give them a serious run. A- am I a prisoner of the moment? Am I getting too hyped up by seeing 18 games in an 80-plus game season? No. I, it's such a tough – NHL and the NBA, I guess in baseball too, but it's just so tough not to get caught up. What we forget is 82 games – injuries um granted you know hopefully this team doesn't endure what it did last year but let's be real there are going to be some bumps and bruises along the way i don't think that vegas they're not going to sustain what they're doing for you know the next five months but i also don't think it's going to fall off um that dramatically it's a matter of which teams play catch up 
when Vegas hits its low, because every team does. I mean, this team lost two in a row, and all of a sudden people were like, oh, my gosh, here we go. Here, What's going on? They lost to the Blues. Blues have just lost eight in a row. Oh, my gosh, they lost to the Sharks. They never do that in the regulation. What happened? Or they never do in the regular season. You know, So all of a sudden it was like, you know, the, the sky is falling. It's a long season is what everybody should have come to learn. Enjoy what we're seeing because when this team is healthy, when it is playing well, it is going to sustain this. It's not a matter of whether it's capable or not. It's a matter of health and how the team progresses it's good, and how it survives its lulls and who's hot while it's enduring those lulls. I suspect that Edmonton and Calgary are going to emerge at some point. Um, the Kings were supposed to be one of the most improved teams. There were a lot of people that were betting the Kings to bet the to win the Pacific. I think the biggest surprise right now is Seattle, which, by the way, just activated Philip Grubauer off of IR. Um, there's just a you know there, there's we look at the Pacific Division and what we've learned since Vegas arrived. That's that's the worst of it all. But it's still a competitive division. Um, and the schedule is back to normal. Remember that, right? It's from out of the pandemic. Um, so there are going to be challenges. Um, when there, you know, there's a great story in the Athletic. Jesse Granger wrote uh, with the Edmonton guy from the Athletic, and it's Connor McDavid versus Jack Eichel. Do we have a rivalry brewing in terms of some talent at their peak right now? Now that they're in the same division, do we get a preview of that tomorrow night in Edmonton? And it's a great piece, and it's a great question. Could Edmonton and Vegas become the right? You know, uh, the other night I got the question: Is San Jose really a rival with Vegas? They're always going to be rivals. It doesn't matter. You know, just because one team's really good and one team's falling off, once a rival, it's 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 set in because no one's ever going to forget about Cody Eakin and and the, and the pe- the major penalty that wasn't. No one's ever going to forget about blowing a three-one lead. That's a rivalry set in stone. But what we can look forward to is Edmonton and Vegas tomorrow is going to be a good preview of what we may see come February, March in a nice little Pacific Division race when you consider Connor McDavid's on that team. And what people need to appreciate more than anything else right now is the play of Logan Thompson because what happened this offseason is that Robin Leonard disappeared on this team, and he's hurt. I'm not trying to make anything more of it than it is. He undergoes surgery. He's not available. And so everyone looked at this cap-strapped roster that had to basically send away Max Pacioretty for absolutely nothing. And they said, who's going to play goaltender for this team? Yeah. Is it going to be Logan Thompson? Oh, oh, who, who who, the hell is Aiden Hill? Was the thought when you trade for Aiden Hill. And then you have Laurent Brassois, who's been hurt. Let me read off some numbers on Logan Thompson right now. He is sixth in the NHL among qualifying goaltenders in high danger uh, save, save percentage. He is 10th in save percentage at 932. Uh, he has been absolutely outstanding, and all this team needed was someone to be okay. Well, he's been better than okay. Darren Millard talked earlier about the fact that the defensive system has made life a little bit easier on whoever is in net, but that doesn't ultimately matter because... They still have to get the job done when the puck comes through, and Logan Thompson has absolutely done that this year for VGK. So I think there are a lot of MVPs to go around, but let's not forget just how dire everyone thought the goaltending situation might be yep. after the flurry trade and after the Lanner injury. Yeah, and, and 
you know, this is one soapbox that I definitely stood on was that, and I kept bringing up the Jordan Bennington comparison when the St. Louis Blues were at the bottom of the entire league in 2000, January 2019, and Bennington was a rookie, and he was brought in to start, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. Logan Thompson was the AHL goalie of the year. At some point, he had to get to the NHL. There's only one way for an NHL goaltender to do what he does best, and that is to play in games. Logan Thompson, in reality, and Golden Knights fans, you couldn't have asked for a better situation last year, even though they didn't make the playoffs, than him getting thrust into the fire by Peter DeBoer at crunch time when they needed somebody because that bit of experience at the end of the season, playoffs or not, with what he did set the stage for him being able to handle what he's doing now as one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. And that's just it, Willie. You could have looked at this roster and said, just don't screw it up, right? Like, say to your goaltender, just don't be the problem. I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. I have watched bad goaltending submarine my team for the last few years. Well, this year, Vitek Vanacek hasn't been outstanding. He's just been good enough, damn well good enough for this team to have won 11 games in a row. And so, you know, over in the Eastern Conference, you got the Boston Bruins and you have the New Jersey Devils. But in the Western Conference, the Golden Knights stand alone right now. And Logan Thompson has obviously uh, been crucial to that for VGK. I'm with you that you know you look at a team like Edmonton and there's too much talent for them not to be able to make noise at some point during the year. But outside of last season, how mm. often have we said that? We've said it over and over again with Connor McDavid and Leon, Dr- Leon Dreisaitl that this yeah. team is too talented not to show out at some point. And yet here they were making the playoffs and not going anywhere. Well, you have a VGK team now that, you know, Mark Stone, like I said with Darren Millard, Mark Stone was selling that angle of nobody respects us, nobody believes in us, which is, I thought, a little bit overstated, right? A little bit much. I, You know, uh, you mentioned New Jersey, which is a fantastic story right now. I love the fact that they've reeled off 11 and they're on top of Carolina, which a lot of people thought was the favorite to win it. But how about the triangle of the other three and the tie-ins with everything. Boston leading one division, the Dallas Stars, Peter DeBoer leading the other, and Vegas with Bruce Cassidy. <clears throat> the triangle and the tie-in with all those coaches, first-year coaches in those specific uh, specific cities is is just fantastic. You know, it's it's got I mean, can it last? Who knows. But man, what I would give for a Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup final against maybe Boston, maybe the Rangers for you, hey, the Devils, but I mean, Great tie-ins. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, obviously, while VGK is streaking, let's get some of that energy back from year one and year two. Let's get some energy from the Thomas and Mac with Curtis Terry on Cofield & Company. Now Iwako knocks the ball away. It's stolen by Harkless. Harkless in the front court. Harkless passes underneath Iwako. Iwako back to Harkless on the left side. A three for EJ is good. 50 to 44 Rebels. And they've gone on a run. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. The voice of John Sandler on the Learfield IMG Sports Network as the run Rebels 
One of their bigger wins in quite a while, defeating number 21-ranked Dayton earlier this week. Curtis Terry is on the call with John Sandler, former running Rebel, and of course always uh, bringing us the UNLV action. Curtis, uh, we, we're looking at a 3-0 team. We're looking at a team that, to me, looked like it really got the job done at the defensive end to close out that game against Dayton. What did you see from UNLV in coming back from getting uh, behind against Dayton and shutting them down with those clamps late in the game? I mean, Adam, that's exactly what I saw. I mean, that's, we pointed this out on, the, on, the, on Kevin's uh, coaching show the other day that they forced 77 turnovers so far this season. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, if they put up another... I mean, another 20 spot here. They're going to be looking at pushing 100 turnovers for us in the first four games. I don't know. I don't know the last time UNLV's done that, but I don't know when the last time a college basketball team has done that. And so defensively, um, I, they're doing, I'd probably say they're doing more than what I expected, but I knew this team would be really, really good defensively just from what we saw with the guys that they brought in and what they did at their previous stops, but then what they did in the summer um, and just how they compete. I think they've, they've got a really defensive-minded team. Um, which obviously the fans like to see because it makes it fun. The opponent doesn't score much. They get some energy in the Thomas and Mac. And I think offensively they're going to continue to, to trend in the right direction. And they'll, they'll, be, they'll be matching their defense. Will be, their offense will be matching their defense before we know it. And I'll get back to the defense in a second since I brought it up. But you brought up a great point there, Curtis. For those of us who've watched this program for a long time, what jumped out at me against Dayton, even though it wasn't a full building, it was a building with energy. And you had those chants going up uh, during the second half as the Rebels were getting first back into the game and then pulling away uh, at the end. Describe what you felt uh, from that Rebel crowd against Dayton. I mean, that's that's the, the key thing to me. I mean, obviously, I love being in the Thomas and Mac. I always talk about it. Whenever they roll out the red carpet, they set off the fireworks. I still get goosebumps as if I'm going to run out there. Um, and sometimes <laughs> I want to. I, I want to leave John up top, and I'll run down there and, and get some action. Um, but it's such a big, important. It's such an important factor for for UNLV basketball is to have the fans in the Thomas and Mac to get that energy because with any sport, whether it's I mean like at Lambeau Field, um, if it's at a Legion last year in the playoffs, uh, or going into the playoffs for, for the for the Raiders, or at home at Team Mobile for the Golden Knights. I mean anywhere you have a home court advantage or home ice or home field advantage, um, it, it makes a huge difference. And so the fans, the fact that the fans came out. Uh, they were they were vocal. The students were there. Uh, if we continue to build that back up like it has been in, in years past, um, it's going to be a huge advantage for, for the team. And uh, it just feels good to be able to see the city getting behind this group again. Uh, but I don't I don't want them to do it for the wrong reasons. Obviously, you want to come out and support them. But I think the way that Coach Kevin Kruger is really trying to build this team and rebuild this program um, and, and build a new culture, um, you can see it because these guys are they're, they're going to work first. Then they're going to talk about it. They're not going to talk about it then try to go and back it up. Um, so it's a really fun team. But I think it's it's a huge it's a huge testament to, to having the, the fans in the Thomas and Mac to be a part of that as well. Speaking of Curtis Terry, former running rebel, part of the broadcast team along with John Sandler here on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Curtis, uh, you touched on it for a second there um, in terms of eventually the offense will catch up and match that defense. Is Can you see that progression? Is, that, is this the situation that you want to be in with somewhat of a, you know, uh, building this chemistry, building this – you know, blending these personalities, but early in the season, is this where you want to be where the defense is clicking first and it'll, because the offense will come rather than the other way around? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, uh, we, we'd be in a, we'd be up a Creek without a paddle if, if we guys were to be able to have some offense, but no defense, uh, because at some point that, that offense is going to fade out. Um, and, and so for this group to be able to, to be so strong defensively and they're going to only going to continue to get stronger. Um, and, Cause Kevin's pointed it out that, that EJ's he's only been cleared for, I mean, about a week and a half before the season started. 
Um, you still don't got Isaiah Cottrell out there yet. He's going to be another big body to, to loop in there with Vic um, and, and with David Mwoke on the inside. Uh, but offensively, as, as these guys continue to grow, and, and we've seen there was there's a numerous instances um, over the past couple of games where, say, Keyshawn Gilbert or Jordan McCabe, or they're driving the lane and, and, and Eli Parquet wants to, wants to cut baseline, uh, but they're looking for him to be in the corner uh, or vice versa. They just don't aren't quite sure yet where their teammates are going to be or, or how they're going to read or, or what their teammates like to react to doing based on what the defense shows. And I think the more that they get comfortable with doing that, um, the more that they play together um, and the more different types of, of, of defensive fronts that they see offensively, they're going to continue to get better uh, because, again, they, even though they went to Canada, they played those three games there. I mean, obviously, the, the talent level is different um, now what they're going through in the non-conference and as they as they progress through December into into conference play. But it, it's important for them to, to continue just to believe in each other. But as long as you can hang your head on that defensive end, once you get to the offensive end, you're going to have some, some much more confidence. And then again, if you don't have to, to set up in half court and you just get runouts and have fun and play in the open court, that's even better. Curtis, as we talk about what it takes to get Vegas back behind the Rebels in the way they have been in the past, I know we always talk about offense, and you want to talk about the fun of being able to get out there and shoot threes and big slam dunks, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, what I enjoyed watching the other night was some Rebels who might be able defensively to get under the skin of the opponent uh, just a little bit. And and in particular, I, I liked what I was seeing out of EJ Harkless. Uh, what do you think is the ability for, for the Rebels in, in terms of that? Because, I don't know, for me as a fan, I, I like to see those pest kind of players who can uh, who can make things a little bit interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. I mean, it's 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 nothing. there's nothing better than seeing – um, your team be able to just to frustrate the opponent, right? And especially at home in, in the way that not just EJ, uh, but Keyshawn Gilbert, Luis Rodriguez, Eli Parquet. I mean, and even and Kevin mentioned, even Jordan Jordan McCabe is, is, is committing more defense. Justin Webster is doing a much better job guarding the ball. We already know what, what Vic um, and David are going to do on the inside. I mean, we could go, we could keep continue to go down this list, but most yeah. of these guys, most of them are known for what they do defensively. I mean, obviously, and, and that's a key because once you bring that all together, um, you can really frustrate the opponent. And, and there was so much talk about Dayton, um, and Coach Anthony Grant, and what he's done um, over the course of his career. And Dayton just has a program, what they've done with numerous NCAA tournament appearances and kind of the one of the the, pre, the, the perennial you know, I mean, mid-majors of the, of the country um, and, and all the size that they had and they were expected to do so good. That's great. Nothing taken away from them. But I think these guys really showed that even though we didn't play well in that first half, we're down 10 at half we can flip the game upside down, you know what I mean, at the drop of a dime. And I think that they proved that and they really snuffed them out in the second half, only allowing them to have, I mean, one field, one two-point field goal in 20 minutes of basketball. That's unheard of. I almost didn't believe it when I heard it. Um, but the fact that, that they're able to do that just shows what this team can really turn into in the course of the season as things continue to progress. All right, Curtis, so take me inside the mind of a player, inside the mind of a team, inside the mind in the locker room as you come off a game like this against a ranked team where we saw the Rebels quite rightfully celebrating big in the locker room afterward. Is the idea of a letdown real? High point is not the same opponent as Dayton. We know it's a high-scoring team, and you're always going to preach one game at a time. But how do you reconfigure and get the emotions back where they need to be for the next opponent after a big win like that? Uh, well, I think it's I think it's the, the thing about this group is that even though these guys have played a lot of minutes, a lot of other places, not many of them have had really great success, you know what I mean, in college basketball or even, I mean, in March late in the season. Um, and I think that's what these, all these guys want to be able to experience. 
Um, we, we, I know that they've talked about that uh, to me. They all talk about how they want to get back to the tournament, um, especially EJ Harkless. He's, he's played in March Madness before, and he wants to kind of be the leader to help these guys achieve and, and realize their goals. Um, and it's, it, you could have a letdown, but I think it's that really comes into the type of makeup that you have within your team. And I don't see these guys as something like, yeah, we, we accomplished something, we're just going to chill, because these guys are just hungry. All of them want to continue to get better. Um, and I personally, I think that's led by Keyshawn Gilbert. And we, I've talked about this before, um, and it's, it's been noted that when he missed that three-point shot against Wyoming in the conference tournament, I mean, a lot of people just would have packed it up, and that would have been kind of the end of it for them. They wouldn't have been able to recover from that or continue to grow it and work through that and use it as motivation. That's what motivated him this offseason to continue to improve his outside shot. He knocks down three threes the other night against Dayton. Um, and this kid, he's just really motivated, and he just in intrinsically wants to continue to get better and better. But I think that's the makeup of this entire team. And so I don't think you're going to have many letdowns because they know, hey, none's going to be given to us. We have to go stop a team defensively. And then our offense is going to flow from that. So I think that's where they get their confidence. And so I really think that the sky's the limit for this group um, as long as they continue to buy in on the defensive end. Speaking with uh, Curtis Terry, part of the UNLV broadcast team, you were a member of the Runner Rebels with Lon Kruger as coach, and I believe you played a couple years with Kevin. How? What kind of similarities do you see that are already coming out in terms of the you know coming to fruition with the success of a Lon Kruger coach team in his son as a coach now, what reminds you of his father? Everything. I mean, <laughs> uh, and that's, I mean, that's just, that's just respect to Kevin and, 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 and to the old ball coach. Um, I mean, I, I noticed this when, when Kevin was on staff and assistant under TJ Otzelberg. I mean, you wouldn't, you'd be at practice or be at shoot around. And you, if you weren't looking at the court, but you could hear Kevin, um, I was like, oh, that's long. Or you look down there and you can't hear what he's saying, but you can see his 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 just body language and his his, his gestures. I'm like, God, he he just reminds me so much of Coach Kruger, um, and I said, and I, I mean that with with the utmost respect. And I think the fact that um, Kevin's able to, to grab the attention of his players without having to be really loud. And I think that's one thing about about Coach Kruger that I that I that I remember about Lon is that you instantly he 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 had your attention instantly, and and he always got the most respect from us, and we always got the most respect from him because he treated us as people. Uh, and there was never trying to up show up, show anybody up or, or, or try to big time anybody. And I think Kevin does a really good job of making connections with his players. Um, I think that's what his strong suit was as an assistant. Um, and I think now that he's going to continue to do that because the guys really like playing for him. And I think that's the biggest part. If, if you have a coach that you're willing to go out there and die for, because you know the coach will turn around there and die for you, um, that's where you have something that really can special happen. And I think that's where Kevin and Lon are, they're, I mean, they're one in the same, is that they both, they love to win their competitors but they really love what they do. But more importantly, I think they really want to impact the lives of young men and help them become better people. Curtis, great stuff. I hope everyone comes out and uh, supports the Rebels tonight. But if they can't make it out there, 6.30 pregame show with Curtis and John here on ESPN Las Vegas, 7 o'clock tip. And Curtis, wish you great holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Everybody else to Thomas and Mac. Happy, ho ha happy Thanksgiving. There, there you go. There you go. Let's dig into the grab bag in just a moment here on Cofield and Company. But wait, Ari, don't you send it out yet. Don't you send it out yet, Ari. Don't you do that to me because we have one more giveaway. 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100. If you are caller number six right now, you are going to win a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. You qualify to win a Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars. Six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs and a Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo. Caller number six, 702-364-1100.
Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2, 4, and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday night football. Cofield and company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. In the grab bag today, with Willie Ramirez and Adam Candy, uh, we are going to have a theme. I was and the some theme is uh, Willie and the Ladies. Uh, Willie Will and the Ladies. As, I'm going to start here with Willie's impassioned, heartfelt defense of LSU's Olivia Dunn. Yes. A gymnast who has made seven figures on name, image, and likeness deals. Right. Uh, not unlike the Cavender twins who used to be at Fresno State. Not unlike the Gonzalez twins would have been able to do had they been uh, here in the era of NIL. Uh, she's having to defend herself, but Willie, I'm glad to know she doesn't have to defend herself all alone. She's got you on her side. Well, it's, it's the point that people are attacking her in how she's doing her posts in, in somewhat it, – it, the, the NIL stands for what, Adam? Name, uh-huh. image, image, and likeness. And likeness. So okay. she's usually wearing uh, leggings and a sport bra. She's wearing her leotard. She's wearing fitness stuff. Which is the stuff that, by the way, just – that is what a gymnast competes in. A lot right, of the time, exactly. Right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, so right. all of a sudden, she's being ridiculed. It's a shame that we have to turn to uh, sexual innuendo or whatever, you know, or posts that insinuate, which is not necessarily the case. You know, the, she does a couple of posts where, the, you know, all the girls do where they turn, they show their physique. This is a girl who's at the top of her, you know, she and on one of her TikToks, was a student athlete post where she was like student athlete where it in, it it includes grade point average so on and so forth at the school. Um, we're attacking her name, image, and like this when that's what she's getting paid for. That's what that's what's being approved to make money off of her name, image, and like this, and she's portraying her physique. And, and, and in her posts. And and look, she took a ration of crap, not directly, but indirectly, from Stanford coach Tara Vandeveer, right. who was talking about how certain things shouldn't shouldn't be done. Look, college athletes have been performing unpaid labor for a long, long time. And when we talk about it on the men's side, we talk about it as guys who should have been paid for big, you know, big TV contracts that have been built on their backs for a long time. Well, when we talk about women's sports, that's not even the case. We talk about women's sports in a situation where most of these women, 99.9% of them, are not going to be able to go on to do anything professionally when it comes to athletics. Now, they're not generating the same amount of revenue for their program, so it's a different discussion. But why should this young lady or any young lady who is performing in college athletics not be able to take advantage of the same opportunities that everyone else can take advantage of. It's, it makes no sense to me at all that we would go after her, that we would go after the Cavender twins, that we would go after anybody. Go get your money. Right. Go get your money. It, it, you, what? Because we don't pay 
young men and women who are attractive for their image elsewhere? Why is it a problem in college athletics? Imagine if a male swimmer who eventually was going to go to the Olympics or, you know, or a male track star and he was in a, he did a post or he did an endorsement of, let's say, and he's sweating or a swimmer that gets out of the pool and his abs are ripped and his delts and his traps. Is that all of a sudden sexual innuendo because he's he did a post or a TikTok that got a million views with his physique? So this girl who has an incredible physique because of the sport she plays and the effort she puts in to take care of her body as a gymnast, and because she may have a couple where they do the little twist and turn to show off the glutes, the hammies, the IT band, the quad, whatever it may be, she's not suggesting anything sexual. She's just showing off her physique, period. Leave her IT band alone. (laughs) Stick your hand in there, Dave. (laughs) <laughs> Willie, I didn't know that this show was still on the air, but congratulations uh, for educating me today. Uh, the story says Ellen Pompeo has immense gratitude for Grey's Anatomy fans as Meredith Grey readies to leave Seattle. You could have convinced me that Grey's Anatomy was off the air 10 years ago. This show is still on the air? Yeah, it's. here's the thing that shocked me. It didn't shock me that it's still on the air. It shocked me in the lead of the story, Ellen Pompeo is thankful for all 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. 19 seasons! I I only got six and a half or six A and B of The Sopranos. I couldn't get 19 of those? 19 seasons? What what are they doing? Are they 3D printing entire seasons of this? Like, how are we coming up with ways to have 19 years? McDreamy has to be McDead. Well, I believe McDreamy is dead, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no. See, this is why I got to watch the show. I I didn't even know. I believe he is dead. Oh, my uh, God. How many affairs can they have throughout the hospital? Seriously. How many different storylines of lives can they save? How many different diseases do they get through? I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine 19 seasons of storyline in in a hospital. I just don't get it. That's what blew my mind. I know that it was still on. I just didn't realize it was 19 seasons. I I had no idea. Look, I, I admittedly am a pop culture hermit in a lot of different ways. Generally, the answer to have you seen is no. I haven't. But you could have told me that Grey's Anatomy had been off the air two presidential administrations ago, and I would have had absolutely no idea. So farewell to Ellen Pompeo. Farewell to Willie Ramirez. Farewell to Steve Cofield. Aloha, I probably should say, to our friend Steve as the Rebels uh, head over to the islands to take on Hawaii. You can catch that broadcast with Russ and Caleb over the weekend in just about 30 minutes, though. Tune in to John Sandler, Curtis Terry for the Running Rebels taking on High Point. Enjoy your weekend, everyone.